Hello everyone, this is Riccardo Accolla, Director of Digital Food Science with RIPE.io and the host of this podcast, Know Your Food. In our current series, we are bringing experts from across the food system to discuss food safety and food security in the COVID-19 emergency. In today's episode, we are going to look at the impact a specific technology might have in building a more resilient and trusted food system. It is a true pleasure to have with me today Alan Lai, who joins me from Singapore. Alan is a research engineer by training and founder and executive director of T-Passar, a company who developed a technology powered by artificial intelligence to analyze authenticity and quality of food and ingredients. Alan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Ricardo. So, Alan, I just wanted to start with... uh, um, the first question, if you can tell us briefly about your company and what market opportunity initially motivated you to develop Profile Print, your technology platform. Sure. So Profile Print is an AI-based company that has developed a rapid fingerprinting technology that allows food ingredients to have its own unique fingerprint. Very similar to how human fingerprints are we are actually identifying the chemical composition and by metabolomics, able to rapidly identify close matches and more importantly, the ability to predict characteristics. So that is exactly what we did because in the earlier days, we saw a lot of industry that is still very much traditional. Um, and one can imagine that the best way to qualify a product is still the very traditional way of tasting, touching, mm-hmm. and brizzo check. There's nothing really wrong with that, um, but with rapid advances in internet, in mm-hmm. data processing capabilities, and also the cost of sensors that come down significantly, surely there must be a better way to do this. And we, we predicted that supply chain will no longer be the same, um, especially now that we are seeing what COVID-19 has brought about. And it came in timely that we are now able to help buyers and sellers trade using a digital fingerprint without the need to physically see the product or to physically qualify the quality. So that is something that we have been planning and working on. And I think we are fortunate in the way that we saw opportunities in potential disruption in the supply chain. Um, how digital solutions can bring about more efficiency and more importantly, increase resilience and also adaptability of companies when it comes to sourcing and selling. Yeah. Well, and this is really an important point you touch upon because uh, obviously COVID-19 brought major disruptions to the food supply chain, um, including a struggle to find uh, uh, food suppliers for specific ingredients uh, and uh, on the other side, this opened also uh, more leeway to, to fraud. Uh, so uh, what would you say are um, the most relevant consequences of COVID-19 on your initial business roadmap? Did you observe a, an increased need for your technology uh, since the onset of the crisis? Um, in a fortunate way, we saw a... jump in our sales compared to before COVID. Mm -hmm. That, while it's positive, is something that we know is not sustainable. 
um, everyone is staying at home, no one can travel, and we know that post-COVID, or even now we're seeing the easing of the measures, and we will slowly see where people will start to get used to going back to work again and not rely so much on digital solutions. But yeah. to us, the most relevant consequences isn't just digitalization, but more importantly, is seeing the value of a fingerprinting technology that is digital. Mm-hmm. And let me explain a little bit more on that. Um, I mean, we have all read and we have seen even now on economies how especially a country like Singapore, where we import almost 95% of all our food products. We yes. face a huge challenge because we are not able to grow a lot of ingredients. Um, one of the biggest challenges, as you correctly pointed out, is that some sources are no longer able to supply. For good reasons, some of them are locked down, some of them do not have enough manpower to provide. And companies who need these ingredients, they have only two options. One is they close down the operation, mm-hmm. survive on the existing inventory, or they immediately look for alternative suppliers. Now, when you can't travel and when you are not able to physically go and establish trust with your supplier, you're not able yeah. to take a look at the product, taste it, you're not sure whether this ingredient will ultimately be suitable for the end product that you're making. Be it a tea, be it a coffee blend, be it a wine, or even producing chocolate and cakes, everyone controls carefully the kind of ingredient they use because mm-hmm. if their end product gets affected in terms of taste and quality, it damages their brand reputation, the consistency, and how the product would be. And we see quite clearly that companies that have ability to adapt and to be resilient are those that responded very fast for alternative solutions. Yeah. So how do they do it? If they have already established good relationships with suppliers, if one goes off, they can go for option B, C, D, E, F, G. But very often in the last 10 years, we all understand the impact of wood defect. You do not want to hold too much inventory because there's are more inventory costs. So that whole push towards efficiency and to be as lean as possible has actually resulted in the inability to respond fast enough. So mm-hmm. that itself is conundrum that companies themselves are trying to balance. So how we as Profile Queen are able to help them is that the moment you have a shortage of product, instead of traveling, instead of going over to source, you're now able to go through a platform and key in your own digital fingerprint and matches against the worst product fingerprint. So you think it's a bit like Mm-hmm. image processing but in this case it's not an image it is actually the molecular signature of a product so we all know that google has a great ai image processing you take a photo and you search they are able to recommend you very similar images right on yeah. your phone this is exactly what profile print is able to do but not based on image but based on molecular signature of the product so that that itself was the
products because supply chain is broken. People can't buy from them easily. So companies such as marketplaces, what they did was they jumped in, they onboarded the farmers so that they can sell D2C. And this model works pretty well. Uh, we have seen in the last five, six years, right? Farmers who onboard onto a marketplace and sell mm-hmm. directly. It works. But right after they did that, we also saw the challenges that a lot of farmers face. Farmers being farmers want to focus on what they're best at to grow. And the time taken for logistics, the time taken to, to customer service, to manage an online merchant portal, all this takes up a lot of time for them. And when we speak to most of the um, merchants currently, a lot of the farmers prefer to sell in bulk. They want to do B2B sales. So that is like that value that B2B companies actually to them, the quality matters. And therein having a fingerprint that can assure the right quality, the right freshness, the right location that the food is from becomes extremely important because now you can be in the comfort of your home, clicking it, sourcing it, and then having a video conference with the seller to ascertain the trust before you place an order, maybe even for a small sample. And I think this is where we start to see um, the beginning of of a lot of things that will come along because we have the opportunity of facing disruption and and companies are worried and they are trying to find better ways to be efficient yet at the same time responsive. Yeah, yeah. And and so I think you, well, you touched upon already, uh, you know, some of the the answers to my next question, which is where is your technology uh, performing uh, best? So obviously it's about uh, food integrity and consistencies of the sample uh, of the different batches. Um, Can you briefly elaborate on other areas where you think your technology can be applied? Uh, I know we had a conversation uh, about about taste and taste signature. So uh, beyond what I think is the obvious obvious application area, which is food integrity, what other areas do you think your technology would be able to address? So by and large, um, when we first started the concept, a lot of it has to do with matching to allow buyers and sellers to be able to trade more efficiently digitally. Um, But over time, we started seeing very specific use cases where we have clients who are using it for very specific um, implementations. Uh, One of them is an example where a company selling key products, they actually do source their teas from their regular suppliers. But the challenge for them is that products like tea, they're never consistent because their natural mm-hmm. products is affected by the weather, they're affected by the way they process it, the way they roast it. So that company hires a team of tasters. So they have no issues with sourcing because they're a big company. So they have enough of these suppliers sending samples to them. The problem with them is they don't have enough time and capacity to taste their products such that you'll find the optimal price for the right mm-hmm. kind of ingredient. So what we did for them was to learn from the tasters the way they qualify the product ingredient, put it into the AI machine, mm-hmm. and with a quick three-second scan, we are now able to tell the company, this is something that you might want, this is something that you don't want at all, this is something that 
you can consider by blending because once you have a single print, you are now also able to predict a certain proportion of blend for them to achieve the same taste component for the end product. And mm -hmm. so having this specific tool for them, firstly, allows them to be more efficient in terms of doing qualification of the raw ingredients coming. But more importantly, the company sees actually the data that they collect. They're now able to better assess price versus quality, whether do they want to continue a certain blend because what they can now do is reverse engineer the potential market's requirement to the taste profile and mm -hmm. then the taste profile reverse engineer to the ingredients that's used. And by doing that, the data allows them a more integrated kind of um, um, way where they do product development that is integrated with operation procurement sourcing. And that becomes something that's uh, valuable for them. Of um, another company gave us a pretty interesting um, use case. It is actually in terms of um, finding the percentage of pop inside orange juice. Now, this is um, something that, that we, we never knew it was a big issue. But for companies that produce uh, orange juice with um, orange sex pops in it, the amount of the pop matters because if you're too little, the consumer will think that you're cheating on them because mm. it's not real juice if you don't have pop. But if you're too much, they think that something is wrong, they have to take too much of it. Mm -hmm. And the company spends lots of effort to actually use density measurement methods, right, to do this percentage of the pop. And they are trying to find a better, faster way to do it. So while it's not related to taste, it's not really related to sourcing, it becomes a QC tool for them to having a quick scan and predict that this has got 21% pop. And mm -hmm. we have been running the models and that, that gave them an easy assurance without going into areas of you know, lab testing, bringing back to lab, because once you have a machine that's fairly portable, you can now solve a, a lot of quality issues uh, confirmation on the spot. Oh yeah. So uh, this apart is... from this then yeah. So apart from this of course we have the regular com um, companies that will come to us to to see whether there are ways to do authentication of mm -hmm. So um, whether it's the alcohol and alcohol is big we know that there's so much fraud going on globally. Um, we did a pilot on a whiskey project and uh, one of the interesting part of the whiskey projects was that we are able to tell not just uh, the quality, but they're able to match it back consistently to the brand and the product type. So if a company produces a famous whiskey that someone tries to imitate, by scanning it, we are able to tell the differences and we are able to give them assurance that this is really from the company or this is actually something that's a fraudulent product. Hmm. Well, and this this also is 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 pretty interesting because you mentioned a very different application. So yep, the, the, right. the juices and the pulp, um, the the tea leaves. Uh, so it's uh, so it's it's a kind of a drier format. You mentioned uh, also uh, uh, alcoholic drinks. So uh, are there um, ingredient categories where and formats where you think uh, the technology is performing at its best or better than others and uh, on, on the other side are there specific uh, ingredients or formats that you feel are still a little challenging for your technology to analyze? Yep, yep, good question. Um, when we first designed this, uh, the intent is to minimize 
pre-processing of the sample, non-destructive. So if we use um, advanced method today, that's quite common, it's all about destructive, putting in a certain solvent, using um, um, certain powderization for you to get a certain sample before you do the uh, analysis. But what we did was instead of doing that, we actually created a mechanism inside our scanner that allows us to measure the molecular signature in a three-dimensional manner. Meaning that we are not looking at just a two-dimensional surface, we are looking at almost the shape of a cylinder where you measure the entire block of ingredients so that we can get the total amount of the signature of this group. That has a strong impact on usability because it means that previously a, a rather common scanner can only do, for example, powders or liquid to be consistent and homogeneous. Now, with that mechanism that we have created within the scanner, now even for products such as grains, soybeans, um, coffee beans, without powderizing it, we scan a cup that's about five to 10 grams, we are able to get consistent signature because of the way we process, the way we capture the signature. So that can help us to capture information that is um, not traditionally easy to measure. Um, mm -hmm. However, having said that, there are still some challenges. So one of them is, for example, how do you do an apple? So mm. if you look at an apple, an apple has got the stock, it sometimes has to leave. Um, you have got the right part, you have got the part that's not so right. And you are not able to capture the entire signature of the, the apple. Um, so for, for us, we are actually working with a uh, food supplier. Mm -hmm. And what they do is uh, the challenge of measuring, measuring the sugar level. What they do instead is that they will cut into small blocks. And the small blocks are averaged on the size of maybe about 1 cm cube kind of sizes. And once we achieve that kind of sizes, it's good enough. But if yeah. it's the entire apple, um, we can only do specific location checks around mm -hmm. the apple. And that is not ideal because you cannot capture the entire signature of the apple. Yeah. So there yeah. are some limitations, but I think it really depends on how creative the use cases uh, applications can be and how we try to circumvent them. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So uh, in, in this last part of, of the podcast, I wanted to uh, come back to the more uh, generic role of technology and pick your brain uh, on, on, on the role that technology could have to build more resilient, resilient supply chain. Um, obviously, COVID-19 exposed the uh, vulnerabilities of what we can define as a supply-driven food system, uh, so often unable to react to uh, rapid shifts of demand. And uh, I recently heard um, the FDA commissioner here mentioning that uh, digitization is a necessary condition to bring more transparency and to, to also create value. And he also mentioned specifically uh, the role uh, that AI and blockchain can have. So. Uh, because you work very uh, deeply with AI, um, how can, in general, AI help player across the food supply chain be better prepared to the next emergency? Mm -hmm. um, so I personally feel that within the next 10 years, um, AI will not be able to replace humans totally. However, mm -hmm. AI can definitely significantly help improve the way we work in terms of efficiency and effectiveness. Um, AI has to be used 
correctly. I mean, starting from most fundamentally, um, if you build a wrong model with insufficient data that, that is uh, not representative, that itself is just predicting things that is not going to be very useful. Um, mm. But even if you look at use cases, there are some things that is more useful than others. And I think really human has to play that part to decide whether there is a important application that AI can help or not. And that's the part where AI cannot predict whether AI can help or not. Of course. So that portion is extremely important. And because that human judgment of deciding when to use and how to use is the part that human continues to retain the knowledge. But having said that, there are a lot of decision making today that do not require deliberate thinking and that can be totally replaced because AI has reached the stage that we are able to learn quite fast and that definitely will improve not just the efficiency but also on the way we do transparency because transparency tracking is an extremely laborious job. Mm -hmm. The amount of effort to track at every data point to make sure that it is what it is at different nodes of the supply chain, that takes a lot of data entry. Um, you have to make sure that this information is correct, is input correctly, and often tracking and reporting takes up so much time that people just not want to do it anymore. So mm -hmm. I think this is the areas where, where the more fundamentally um, laborious areas that AI can help and to allow us to have less dependency on that judgment. Yeah, I, I totally agree being in the uh, tracking and transparency uh, world myself with our company. It is uh, one of the areas where also we think uh, AI can play a big role. And um, do, you need, do you think that, uh, of course, no technology on its own uh, really uh, uh, can solve can be a magic bullet and can solve the the the, the, the challenges. Uh, so, do you think of any other technological advances that uh, will be extremely critical to be ahead of the curve for the current, but even for next emergencies, and to improve the food system? I think I think it, it over the last three four months, um, one um, or two areas have emerging quite strongly um, and that to me has to be food security. Um, food security is not food safety mm -hmm. but it is very related to food safety. Let me explain what I mean. So food security is in the sense where you have a lack of resources, you're not able to grow your own plants, your own yes. fruits um, and you're not able to get the right products because no one is selling you anymore. Now so the way to do it, we've seen a lot of uh, companies going into cultured meat, plant-based products, and I think there is definitely a huge impact on how the lab-grown protein can change the way, the way we do things, the way we buy and the way we eat. Mm -hmm. But having said that, it is very challenging to assume food security means food safety because how do we know what is being produce is safe to eat. And how do we know that this produced culture meat is not adulterated? And if you think about it, most of this cultured meat that we see in the market created by startups or by big companies, they are mm -hmm. often in a few forms. They are in 
a patty form, they're in powder or maybe in a paste form. Mm. And they would never create one that looks like a drum, a chicken drumstick because it's so hard to create structurally the shape of a chicken drumstick. So all these cultured food replacements are typically in a form where it's easy to adulterate. Yeah. In Singapore itself, it is not uncommon to see restaurants branding themselves to sell impossible burgers. Yes. But we do know that the raw ingredient cost of an impossible burger is significantly higher than meat or tofu. And mm -hmm. it is quite common that they will still position themselves to be selling cultured meat, but they will blend it with something else. Oh, now, yeah. if you to go towards the direction to try to assess, it will be too much effort. But that area should be done actually at a consolidated level where the entire supply chain ought to have a form where we can have better transparency using fairly low cost sensors that we're able to track that the quality indeed has not changed all the way from supplier to the distributor to the restaurant itself. It is still the same signature. And mm -hmm. by doing that, that gives you that assurance that the product is not adulterated or is continued to be fresh. Of course, that alone is not useful enough because information is mutable if you allow anyone to change the data, right? So mm -hmm. that, that, that is where we see strong value in having such a technology that's linked together with blockchain. Yeah. You are able to give better assurance for not just the consumer, but also for the supplier to make sure that their products are not being adulterated and hence reducing their profitability of time. So I see that as interrelated, but more importantly, being interrelated must also have interdependence. Because only when you have interdependence, where a blockchain solution requires a sensor technology, a sensor technology requires a blockchain solution, and that ultimately helps both the consumers and the supplier that we can create a sustainable ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And I think that is where I see the future of technology to make sure that we can um, survive any further kind of disruption. Well, yeah, that is uh, absolutely a, a great point. And I think that uh, I would say it concludes because the, the, the last question I had for you is really if you see a silver lining for the food system. So any opportunity for uh, some of the changes that we witness now to last uh, long and to change fundamentally the way we grow, distribute and consume food. So you mentioned uh, really the role of technology in, in making sure uh, that um, authenticity is preserved across the supply chain, that we address food security beyond food safety, um, especially with the emerging uh, categories like uh, uh, lab-grown protein. Um, is there any other consideration that you want to make about the future of the food system and uh, opportunities to, uh, to in, improve the way we, uh, we grow, distribute and consume food? Yeah. So apart from technology that, that I mentioned earlier on, um, I think ultimately for any food system to be able to be sustainable and lasting, I feel there is a lot to do with collaboration. And a single technology cannot solve all problems. And only when there's enough trust in the system where there are collaborations in terms of sharing of strength and also overcoming weaknesses. And, and I think that is when a complicated um, food system 
able to do better. So we, we always see the value of technology in the food system. But having technology alone is not going to solve the problem. It's only when you work with collaborators, you establish trust of how you can help each other, that's how we think the system can grow. I mean, just one example of what we are doing um, incidentally tomorrow um, is that during the pandemic period, we actually had um, a traditional event organizer that reached out to us. And because of the pandemic, all trade shows were cancelled and banned. Nothing more than 50 people. Um, and the company effectively would have lost all their income for the rest of the year. Mm. But they came to us, they see, is there a way we can do a digital food show? So we proposed the concept where they are able to go online, do video conferencing with the buyers and sellers, but more importantly, they are able to down do assessment of the quality of the product using the fingerprint, all by sending the samples to us in advance for us to scan. So if you are a buyer, send us the samples where we can scan in advance the signature. If you are a seller, they send to us. And now with both sides having the signature, what they want or what they're selling, that allows them to now meet in the middle to decide whether to buy. And this is a good example of collaboration because mm. we would never have thought about doing this area. They would never have thought about working with a tech company. And um, we, we are glad that um, we have received more than 500 companies registered on the platform. Well, thank you so much, Alan, for all your insights today. Uh, that was really awesome. Uh, where can listeners learn more about your company? Um, they can find us more on theprofileprint.com and that's when you can find about a bit of introduction, some video clips of what we do and case studies on uh, the projects that we have previously done. Very good. Well, thank you very much, Alan. Thank you so much. And uh, for all the audience, you can find this episode and subscribe to the Know Your Food series on Apple Podcasts or on our website at ripeio slash podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode.